0: Does God demand our obedience and is that really asking too much? Welcome everyone to Bearing Up. Uh, thank you for joining me today in this episode. We're talking about obedience in accordance with the scriptures today. Um, and. There's kind of some questions about obedience. Um, You know, you're looking from one denomination to another and there are different ideas about what obedience is or how obedient you have to be uh, to God and to his word, uh, whether it's really required or not, um, whether it's something that you must very strictly uh, abide in. Um, And we're just gonna try and look and see what the Bible says today. you know, there are doctrines about faith alone. You know, is is it just faith that we have to have? Um, there's doctrines called um, or referred to as the perseverance of the saints. This idea that if you are saved, then you are always saved. Once saved, always saved. Um, and so with the presence of these doctrines and the very real presence of the word obedience in the New Testament. Um, That's not a hard thing to figure out or to find. Uh, You just have to go online and go to a website like Bible Gateway or Bible Study Tools and search the word obey. Uh, And you're liable to find it many, many, many times throughout the scriptures. And so uh, the word is there. What does it have to do, though, with obedience? With faith or with salvation, or what does it have to do with our Christian walk? And is it too much to ask for us to be obedient to God's word? So let's first just ask is it necessary? You know, is it necessary for us to obey God's word um, and to be fully obedient uh, to God's word? Well, the beginning of the book of John, the gospel of John, um, John the Baptist has this sort of um, discussion with his disciples. And he talks about, you know, he must increase, I must decrease. But in John chapter 3 and verse 36, he says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. He's talking about Jesus. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Now that's a very interesting passage because he uses believe to have eternal life, but does not obey to not see life. They're connected. Faith and obedience are connected in that passage. And the ones who don't obey, he says, will not see life, but the wrath of God abides in him. Romans chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath and indignation. So there again, you have those that You know, seek for life and seek to have, you know, to persevere in that life and to gain eternal life. And then those who are selfish do not obey the truth. They'll receive wrath and indignation. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12 says, so then my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, you know, talking to the church of Philippi, "not not, not as in my presence only, but Now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So they are to continue in their faithful obedience. They are together, faith and obedience, working together to work out their salvation. Matthew chapter 7 verses 21 through 23, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount says something rather extraordinary. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name? And in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So in the last days, you know, in, in the judgment, um, there's going to be people who were sincere, incredibly sincere, so much so that they were doing works uh, in the name of Jesus. You know, they prophesied in the name of Jesus. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They performed miracles. They were doing, you could say, good things. They were doing good things in the name of Jesus, Jesus will say, depart from me to some of those individuals because they did not do the will of the Father. They practice lawlessness. And so not everyone who is sincere will enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what Jesus is saying But those who do the will of the Father in heaven. So obedience is necessary. It's very necessary. Uh, to jesus own words to uh, the rest of the scriptures that we read uh, obedience is necessary we have to have it in order to go to heaven in order to be saved but is this too much to ask you know is it really too much to ask that we be completely obedient to the Lord now some will say that we're saved by faith alone and they quote ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now, I'll concede that we are saved by grace. Right? And that's, that's right. Right? We don't earn salvation. Right? It may seem that because works and obedience are required that it seems like we're earning it, but that's not true. What's conveniently left out when that the passage is brought to our attention ephesians 2 8 and 9 is verse 10 for we are his workmanship created in christ jesus for good works which god prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them so there's nothing that we can earn You know nothing we can do to earn salvation it is by grace it's by the gift and the word gift in relation to salvation appears over and over in the New Testament but what are we created for in Christ Jesus for good works in the same letter so within the same context of this this is not an author changing his mind this is not Paul saying one thing here and then another thing somewhere else They have to be congruent with one another. In the same letter, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 through 5, he says, But immorality or any impurity or greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather give thanks. So that's verses 3 and 4. And, Certainly, we could say, okay, well, that's what you're supposed to do, but does it really have to do with salvation? Does it really have to do with, with our hope? You know, most people will say, well, if, if they believe that, you know, it's faith alone, once saved, always saved, that, you know, you still should try to be a good person. But for what reason? What, what reason should one try to be a good person? Well, there's a lot of reasons, and we're going to talk about some of them today, But continuing from that, he says in verse 5, For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ in God. So he says you should not even have immorality or impurity or greed or idolatry within you at all because if you're committed to that you have no inheritance of the kingdom of God. Yes, we are saved by grace, by the grace of Christ through faith, but he demands that Christians be obedient to him. In fact, within our hearts should be the mind of slavery. Yes, we can be called children of God and we take the you know, the promises that God gives us and the assurance that God gives us. You know, those sorts of things that we find in the scripture, you know, the blessed assurance. You know, we can have those things. We are children of God if we have become a Christian, but within ourselves, we also have to recognize that we are slaves. We should have the mind of slavery and to be slaves of Christ. And I use that word intentionally, not just servants, but slaves, someone that has a master, somebody that has to be obedient in everything. Notice with me Romans chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. And in this passage, Paul is kind of tackling a lot of, of, one of the things that he is tackling is there are individuals that are, are, kind of looking at him and saying, well, you're talking about grace and you're saying that grace is, is what saves you, right? So are you saying you can do whatever you want because of grace? And Paul says, no, <laughs> right? In, in verse one, he says, you know, shall we sin so that grace may abound by no means. And so in that context, he says, this is 16 through 18. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of, whom, of the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness? But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you have become obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. So guess what? You're a slave. Everyone in this world is a slave and will be a slave and will remain a slave as long as we live in the earth. But we get to choose to whom we are a slave to, right? We get to decide whether we're going to be a slave to sin or we're going to be a slave to God. And the benefits of being a slave to God are that you're also treated as a child. You know, you're also uh, given an inheritance. You're you're an heir of eternal life. You know, you have peace and contentment and strength, which you can find in Christ Jesus. To be a slave to sin means that you're a slave to death. You're going to die uh, in your sins and you're going to suffer eternal punishment. So... Who do you want to be a slave to? That is the reality of our world. We have freedom in the United States, but our ideas about freedom um, do not coincide with what the Scripture says about our relationship with God. You're a slave to obedience or you are a slave to sin. This is actually the sort of mindset, the mindset of slavery, is something that Jesus tried to instill within his apostles. Now, the context of this next passage is important because this is the response which comes from an urgent inquiry from the disciples for Jesus to increase their faith. Right? Jesus talks about forgiveness and, and how you're supposed to forgive your brother, and then they say, You know, increase our faith, increase our faith. And this is Jesus' response. If you want your faith to increase, this is the kind of mindset that we're to have. Luke 17, 7 through 10. Which of you having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat? And properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink. And afterward you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded you, say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. So, this is very different. This is very different from the American mindset and what we see in the world. Oftentimes is like, I did my work. So where's my payment? You know, I've, I've put in a hard work. So where's my appreciation? You know, we do this with our jobs. Like you, maybe you stayed over, you know, over time or put, you put in a lot of work, and, you know, you demand, you know, your compensation, you demand to be treated fairly, you demand to, you know, and certainly, you know, we should try to, you know, work jobs where we can, you know, work and toil and, and do what we need to do so that we have what we need and we could supply the needs of our family and, and the needs of others and, and all of that stuff. But, you know, this pompous attitude that we have that, I should get what I'm owed. I need to be appreciated. I need to be, you know, that's not actually the attitude that Jesus tried to instill within his disciples. That is something we get from the world. That attitude of, well, I deserve this. We don't deserve anything. And when the disciples, when the apostles did as they were commanded to do, did as Jesus told them to do, their right response was, we are unworthy servants. We've only done what we're supposed to do. Is, is that our attitude when it comes to obedience to God's word? Are we willing to be obedient to God's word and, and respond in that sort of way? That's how Jesus wanted the apostles to respond. How much more us right they were his his close friends you know his you know his inner circle these were the individuals that jesus imbued power to right they they were given all of this stuff and so how much more how much more should we have this this mindset that he instilled in them so obedience is necessary right when when god says you know to obey his commands We need to do it. In John chapter 14 and John chapter 15, Jesus teaches that the one who loves him is the one who keeps his commands. It is required of us. And even if we become Christians, we must not turn to idolatry. This doesn't nullify the grace of God, but our actions prove that our hearts are not with God. And if our hearts are not with God, how can, how can God welcome us in and have us be one with him if we don't want to be one with him? Does it mean that we're going to be perfect? Absolutely not. Obedience and living an obedient life in Christ does not mean perfection. It does not mean that you're going to get it right every single time. It means that you will. You will fail. You will sin. There are going to be mistakes that are made. But at the same time, We do, as the scripture says, in fighting the good fight. Why do we have to fight? What's the spiritual war that we're engaged in if we don't have to be obedient? If we don't have to obey God, is it really a fight? You know, is it a fight at all if, you know, we don't have to try? (laughs) You know, it it doesn't really sound like a fight. (laughs) And then to run our race with endurance, Hebrews chapter 12. Right, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Looking unto Jesus, we run with endurance. It's verses one and two of, of Hebrews chapter twelve. Why do we have to run if if it's just easy? It's just given to us, and we don't have to worry about anything. Why do we have to lay aside weights? Why do we have to, you know, pull that sin off of us? Why do, why have to do any of that if we don't have to be obedient? Our Ephesians chapter 4, verses 12 through 13, tells us that we're to build each other up into the more mature Christian to the measure of the stature of Christ. How does that happen? How do we become more and more like Jesus? Is it just going to happen by accident? Is it just going to be like, all right, well, I'm going to sit here and wait for Jesus to do it to me? Or do we have to study God's word? Do we have to. Try and be more like him. Right? If if we don't commit to being obedient, if we give up and we indulge in a life of sin, we learn in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26 that there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin, but a fearful expectation of judgment. Right? If if we just if after we've become a Christian, right? That's the context, and you're a Christian, and you're to encourage, and you're to build up, and you you are to remain, and if you go back and you start living in sin again, then you're going to be lost, all right? That's the reality. That is, that is what the scripture teaches, but when we do sin, let's also remember that all that the Christian needs to do is confess their sins, and Jesus is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. First John chapter one and verse nine. And so the getting rid of the sin, that is all Jesus. (laughs) None of that is, is us. Uh, None of the forgiveness is, is based on what we are doing in our obedience. We ask for forgiveness and he gives it. He just gives that forgiveness. He, he completely wipes us clean. Um, And so Christ, again, the power is in his blood. The power is in his grace, in his gospel. I'm not trying to undermine, and we should never undermine the power of, of these things, the grace and the blood and the gospel, because that is where the power is. That's where forgiveness is. Right? But after we have come to know Jesus and we've been become a Christian and we've had the blood of Jesus cleanse us, are are we going to just pretend like none of that ever happened and continue to walk in sin? That's the whole point of Romans chapter six. And so, yes, we have to be obedient. Yes, we are commanded to follow the commands in scripture. But with the remainder of our time after this quick break, I'd like for us to discuss, is this really fair? You know, is this Too much for us to to have to be obedient to this word. You know, there's hundreds and hundreds of commands in the New Testament. And are we really supposed to keep them all? You know, does it really matter? Are there sins that are salvation issues and some that are not? You know, what what is this? You know, do we have to, you know, why? You know, is it really fair for us to have to do all of this? And so we're going to discuss that in just a moment. Don't go away. Uh, We'll be right back after the break. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in, for bearing up. Uh, We want to ask you to please like, subscribe, follow, share, comment, engage with us on social media. Uh, That helps the algorithm so that more people will be able to see us. Um, The more people that respond, the more people that will see this work. Uh, And so please do that You can check us out on Facebook, YouTube, or Rumble To watch the show And you can listen to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts Or wherever you listen to your podcast. We also want to mention the Ministry League Uh, We are part of the Ministry League Network And the Ministry League is a wonderful program run Wonderful organization That uh, has a lot of resources And they're all about giving uh, free Christian resources uh, For anyone that wants them and so check out their app. It's a great app, Ministry League app. Uh, or you can check out their website, ministryleague.com. There is something for you there. Uh, so I'll go ahead and say that no matter who you are, there's something for you there with the Ministry League. So check them out. And again, thanks so much for watching or listening today. We'll jump back into it. We know that God deems obedience necessary. But is it really right for God to demand all of this of us you know to to demand that we have to keep his word is it really fair well today i've got three reasons and there are way more than three we'll mention a few others just kind of in passing at the end but there are three important reasons why we should unquestionably be obedient to god with without question with without you know, sort of bartering or trying to bargain with God at all, you know, but just to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. So the first reason is because we are supposed to fear God. And that's something that uh, we have really done a poor job of teaching oftentimes in the pulpit. Um, But it's something that we have a really hard time grasping because we're trying to be more I, I I'm trying to think about the, the terminology that we use or maybe not that we use, but we're we're trying to be more soft, I guess, and, and you know, more inviting and, and less less fire and brimstone, right? And because we're so against the fire and brimstone kind of things of of many years ago, uh, we don't understand that we are supposed to fear God. If you want knowledge and wisdom, you have to start with a fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 teaches us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 teaches us that man's all is two things. To fear God and to keep his commandments. That's all that we're supposed to do. You know, all that, that entails life And the important things in life is is that, right? To, To fear God and to keep his commandments. But there is a false dichotomy that is raised with this word fear. And what I mean by that is that oftentimes we look at that word fear and we say, well, that just means a healthy respect. A healthy respect or a reverence for God. You're supposed to revere him. You know, you're supposed to say, well, he's above me. And so I'm I'm going to recognize that he's above me. But that is not the truth about that word. That's not the whole story about that word. Respect and reverence is there. But it goes far beyond just the simple healthy fear, healthy respect, whatever. The word fear is the same disposition that we see the Israelites having when they're being chased by Pharaoh's army across the Red Sea, right? You know, it is that kind of fear. This word fear shows up a lot when, when there's a people being engaged with an army and they run in fear. It's the same word that appears. Here in relationship to God and our fear of God in Ecclesiastes 12, 13, it is terror. It is to actually be afraid. And so we are supposed to be afraid of God, afraid of him. Not not just to respect, not just to have, you know, a proper reverence towards him, but we're supposed to actually be afraid of God. In the United States, we're so concerned with rights and democracy that it distorts our view of Christianity. And the religious confusion of the world just assumes that whatever you believe, you're going to heaven, that's your right. Right? But all that is so false. All of that is so false. And I think a big part of it is we don't fear the Lord. In the context of Jesus commanding his disciples to evangelize. He said in Matthew chapter 10 verse 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So we have to understand we're not in the same playing field as God. He is the one who decides, it is his word and and his authority that decides whether or not we're going to heaven or we're going to hell, right? He has that power and we are unworthy worms in comparison to his righteousness and his goodness and his holiness and, and his power and authority and his knowledge and wisdom and his love. I mean, we are unworthy worms in comparison, and he deserves, because of that, because he is so far above us, because he could snap his finger, or not even snap his finger, but just think it, and we're dead, and we're gone, and we're in hell, or to just think it, and and we are saved, and we are brought into salvation. I mean, it is the power of God to do those things. We're not on the same playing field with him. And so he deserves every obedience and all the praise for making us something more, right? He makes us something more than unworthy worms. Without him, that's what we are. We're just we're rubbish. You know, we're we're not worth anything. But with God, we're made a holy nation, we're made a a a people for his own possession. We are We are holy, we're set apart, and we're his, and we're children. You know, we get an inheritance of eternal life, and, and all of that is for him. You know, it's all from him. And so he deserves every bit of our obedience for that, and we should be afraid of him because he has that power. And in case you need another New Testament passage, 2 Corinthians chapter five and verse eleven, Paul said it was the fear of the Lord that motivated him to persuade men. You know, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade men, right? He he is, you know, he understands that God is in control, and if we understand that God is in control, that we are not in control, then a right fear, not just a, you know reverence or respect or a, you know, yeah, he's above me. No, but a real genuine understanding that my life is in his hands. You know, with that, we should understand that we should be obedient, right? If God says to do something and he has our soul in his hands, then is it really us to say, "Eh, I don't want to, God, or I don't really think it's necessary for me to do everything that you tell me to do. I think that's a very mistaken view to take, and you're really gambling with your soul when you say, eh, "I don't know if I'm really, you know, going to buy into." I have to be obedient, you know, because again, he he has the power, he has the control, uh, he has the say in the end whether or not we will be saved, um, and so we have to be obedient. But number two, and this is something else that is important about. Obedience is that it proves that you have faith, right? Obedience actually proves that you have faith. Galatians chapter 2, verses 17 through 18, Paul said, But if while seeking to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have also been found sinners. Is Christ then a minister of sin? May it never be. For if I rebuild what I have once destroyed, I prove myself to be a transgressor. So we cannot rebuild the old man of sin. We cannot rebuild a commitment to anything other than Christ. If we're saying, you know, I'm going to be committed to Christ, but I'm going to be committed to this other thing over here. You know, one of the things in the book of Galatians is that they were trying to commit themselves to the Old Testament law and to Christ, to circumcision and to Christ. For salvation and that wasn't going to cut it so if we belong to God then our actions will prove ourselves to be his right if we're going to try and be justified by Christ but then we're just living in sin like like it doesn't matter like we're just committed to sin then no if we if we rebuild the man of sin then we prove ourselves to be transgressors we prove ourselves to be opposing god rather than with god and standing next to him the understanding of faith is often flawed sometimes when we turn to the scriptures there's an idea that faith is just you know believing strongly that jesus is the son of god and if you believe strong enough then you have faith and then you're saved And there's actually many different false ways of salvation. You know, you say a prayer. There's not anyone that said a prayer in the New Testament that was saved. Paul prayed for three days, you know, after he saw Jesus uh, on the road to Damascus and he was blind. He prayed for three days and nothing happened. Right? It was not until that Ananias came to him and said, you need to be baptized. You know, I mean, it's. Our idea of faith being just belief is is not, not congruent with what Scripture says. Faith and obedience are so closely linked that they are inseparable biblically. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1's definition of faith includes a word that means evidence or conviction. Faith is the evidence of or the conviction of things unseen. Now, that type of conviction there is not this inward feeling that one has. It is a conclusion based on observation, right? Someone is convicted of a crime because they have seen the evidence, right? And so that's why some translations use that word evidence there because that's really the thought that's trying to be uh trying to be brought across in the scriptures. That word literally means proof. Faith is the proof of things unseen. Proof is something that is observable. Like if you're trying to prove something, you do something or you show something to somebody else. Like if I was trying to prove that you know Hawaii existed, What I would do is I would show somebody a map, or I would show somebody pictures, or I might actually try to take them over there and say, look, you're standing on it, right? That's proof. Um, Faith is the proof of things unseen, right? Because when someone really has faith, they're changed. I hope we understand that. When you have real biblical faith, your life changes, You're changed. You're not the same person as you were before, and you don't act the same either. And so your faith is proof that there's been a change in you, a a proof that God transforms, that in his power and in his goodness, he makes us different. You cannot have proof without observation. Therefore, faith is observable. It is something that you can see. I'd like for us to see what James said in James chapter 2 about faith and obedience and how they work together. And it's so important that we understand that, like, faith by itself, you know, just the belief, a strong belief, is is not really anything. It's not anything helpful. But it's got to be accompanied with obedience, too. Obedience proves That you have faith. So, James chapter 2, verses 18 through 26. But someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But you are willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works. And as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. That's the only verse in the entire Bible that says faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead." So some will say that there's a contradiction here because uh, James says Abraham was justified by works and Paul said, you know, that Abraham was justified by faith. Well, you got to look at the context of those passages, right? In Paul's context, when he said he was justified by faith, he was talking apart from the law of Moses, apart from the law that they're trying to hold on to, the Jews are trying to hold on to and make the Gentile Christians abide in. Right? The law that appears in the book of Galatians and in the book of Romans is referring to the law of Moses. Right, And so you have to understand that. We have to understand that if we're going to make a wise discernment about those passages that include the law. Right, So here, there's a different context and it shows that they are different He says he's justified by works. Well, how is that? And how does that relate to Abraham believed God? He said it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled by the works. The faith was fulfilled by the works. They're brought together. They're brought in their fullness. And so we have to understand, understand that faith and obedience work together. Right? They, are, they are almost one in the same. If you go back to Hebrews chapter 11, you know, the faith hall of fame that's there, how is it that we know they had faith? How is it that we know that these individuals were faithful to God? By what they did, right? You know, by faith, Moses. By faith, Abraham did something, right? They, they did something. They, they were obedient. They listened when God called them. They obeyed the commands that the Lord gave them. And so faith and obedience, they work together. If you don't have obedience, there is no proof for your faith. And so that's why it's important, right? That is one reason why we should unquestionably obey God. So that we have faith, so that it we prove unto God, not just other people, right? Well, because some people will say, Well, that's just referring to other people. He believed God and it accounted, it was reckoned to him to righteousness. How was he made righteous? Was it in the sight of man, or did God call him righteous? I think that it was God that called him righteous. And it was because he was faithful to him. Faithful to him. Do we even understand what faithfulness is without walking in the right way, being obedient to God's word? And so there is one last, one final reason why we should unquestionably obey the Lord. And it's that Jesus was obedient. Jesus was obedient. Jesus said in John chapter 5 and verse 19. Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. That's how Jesus lived his life. You know, Day in and, and day out, every single day, he was a servant to the Father's will. He, he did what he was told to do and commanded to do. Doing nothing outside of the Father's command. You know, he said it was not not my will, but yours be done in the garden. It's not what I want to do, it's it's what you're commanding me to do, what you have said for me to do. Jesus was obedient. In fact, I'd like for us to look in Philippians chapter two, which is a great picture of Jesus, a wonderful picture of Jesus and what he has done and, and show his obedience. It is incredible what Jesus did in coming to this earth and dying on the cross. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. So already, we're we're told this is how you're supposed to be. This is the mind that you're supposed to have. Who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here we are in the world making a fuss about the fighter points of, of Greek rhetoric, arguing about baptism and instruments of all things. You know, well, is baptism really required? You know, they all did, this, you know, you're saying they all did this here, but, you know, we're saying this and, and do we really need to worry about the instruments at all? Yes, it says sing, but it doesn't say not to have instruments. We're arguing about all of these things rather than just looking at the scriptures and just saying, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm not going to do anything else. I'm not going to stretch my luck. I'm not going to say, well, because of freedom of Christ, I can do whatever I want. Freedom of Christ has to do with being forgiven of sins. That's all that it has to do with you are free from sin you are free from the burden of it you are free from the guilt of it you are freed from the condemnation of it you are free in Christ from slavery to sin so let's not use our freedom in the wrong way right let's not use that freedom from sin to be engaged in sin some more we need to be obedient to to the Lord. That's what Jesus did. He died a torturous death for us. And we bicker about doctrine, the doctrine of obedience, because it's not convenient enough for us. It's not convenient for other people. All right, one of the worst things to happen in this world was was the pendulum swinging from the ultra- obedience and works-based salvation of the Catholic Church because that really was works-based. This is not. What I'm talking about is is the the power is still in the gospel. The power is still in the blood. The power is all with God. We've not denied that at all, not one time in this discussion. But one of the worst things to happen was going from the ultra works-based salvation of the Roman Catholics, to the Reformation movement starting Protestantism, which says that faith alone, you know, faith alone is what you need. And it's faith alone and grace alone. Sola fide, you know, sola gratia. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous for us to just take what we want from the scriptures and not just look at the scriptures and say, I'm going to do what it says. How did people become Christians in the New Testament? How, how did that even happen? The book of Acts tells us how what they did. So why bicker and why argue over what they did? Because it says, right? It says that individuals, you know, they were preached the gospel, they repented of their sins, they were baptized, right? And they were forgiven of their sins. And so from that on, that point on, they were, they were saved and they became Christians and they you know began their walk with Christ you know there were individuals like Simon the sorcerer you know he's you know he was uh you know he believed and was baptized and he became a Christian but then he he still had work to do he still had to be faithful he still and and because there was still some covetousness in his heart you know he was con- He was condemned and convicted when he made this assumption that it could be bought with money, the the ability to pass on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit that, that the apostles were doing. And so, you know, we have to be faithful just as he was supposed to be faithful. You know, and so God has every right to command us to do whatever he wishes us to do he has every right and there are more reasons than these as to why we should be obedient right because god is the creator of the world he created everything he's going to destroy everything in the end you know so that's a that's a good reason to obey him right he has that power Um, obedience makes us pure. It it makes us pure individuals. You know, we're not continually walking tainted in sin that we keep on committing and living in. You know, it makes us pure. Our obedience helps us to be more like Jesus. There was the movement many decades ago. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would he do? Right? Would he be obedient to what the Father told him to do? It's it's not just about you know some aspects of life. Well, what would he do in this situation where I need to show love and kindness? Well, yeah, you need to show love and kindness. But what would Jesus do if we were talking about establishing a church? If we were talking about doctrine? If we were talking about how worship is supposed to be conducted? Or about salvation and the steps of salvation or the plan of salvation well he would do as according to his word not something that we just make up because God created everything again because obedience makes us pure because obedience helps us to be like Jesus but it also helps us to be one with Jesus helps us to be one with him how were The individuals who would believe in Jesus how would they be sanctified in Jesus how would they be set apart Jesus prayed to the father that that they would be sanctified in truth John chapter 17 set apart in truth and obedience also helps others to come to faith Uh, our example for sure uh, you know, is something that can motivate others to to want a similar life and want to be, you know, become a Christian. But our obedience to the call to evangelize, we're we're called to do that. We're called to evangelize, to speak the gospel and to not be afraid and to go boldly into the world and share the message of truth. That brings others to faith, right? Faith is not absent from this. Faith is central to this. Right. It's, it's why we are obedient. And, and so if we want others to have faith. We've got to be obedient to share the message to them. All we have to understand is that if the Bible says it, we must do it. Let's not argue about what it does not say. Let's not argue about, you know, the things that are, you know, the, there's a certain nuance. Let's just 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 listen to what the scriptures say. We just need to be obedient to his word i don't understand why there's so much argument when there's one book right there's one word and we want to get all hung up because we don't want to admit that god requires us to repent of our sins and be baptized into christ he requires us to love our enemies he requires us to You know, there are lots of different commands. Again, there's hundreds and hundreds of commands in the New Testament. And we're to keep them. You know, if if we want to enter the the kingdom of heaven, we must become like little children. You know, if if we want to enter the kingdom of heaven, we must not have idolatry or immorality or, or sexual immorality or covetousness or anything of that sort within our hearts. He's told us all that he wants and all that he expects of us. And we just have to decide if we're really going to deny ourselves, we're going to pick up our cross and follow him. That's that's it. That's the choice that we have. Again, as we said earlier from Romans chapter six, we're all gonna be slaves. All right. That's the disappointing thing if you want to look at it that way. You know, if if you see slavery as an outright, you know, this is a terrible thing. But you can choose who you're going to be a slave to. You can choose who you're going to be a servant to, to sin or to God. And again, the, the blessings, the promises, the assurance, I don't want to undermine any of that. And I'm not undermining any of that by saying that we have to obey God's word. And Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 8, we see that there are those who are going to, to be inflicted vengeance upon because they don't know God and they don't obey God's word but the rest of that context is about those who are God's those who are God's are going to be protected those who are God's are going to be um they're going to be his they're going to be the ones who have obeyed the gospel because the contrast there is those who haven't obeyed the gospel God's going to have vengeance on them so those who have obeyed the gospel, those that do obey God's word, yes, they're going to be protected. They're going to be given grace. They're going to be given, you know, everything, right? They're going to be given eternal life. They're going to be given forgiveness of sins. All the spiritual blessings that belong to Christ and are ours to take and to have these gifts. But are we going to be faithful to him? Faithfulness is having faith and obedience is having faith enough to walk in a certain way and the way that we are to walk is the way that God has called us to walk that's all this is uh, I hope that uh, maybe you are challenged by this uh, I look at all of this and am more grateful and thankful to God than than ever because he deserves this life he deserves for us to, to be obedient jesus again was was obedient to the point of death and are we going to you know be faithful and obedient as well are we going to seek after him and strive after him as he strived to do the father's will are we going to you know look at his example and try to do the same be obedient again i hope this is a good challenge to you maybe maybe it's changed your way of thinking um, and if it does, and you have questions, if you want to talk about this more, maybe you have, you maybe have another argument that says, well, you know, consider this other passage. Uh, well, I would be glad to sit down and, and talk with you about that. Um, I welcome any conversations that we can have about God's word, because I love to talk about God's word. I love to talk about uh, our Lord and about, uh, you know, about Jesus and about his word. Uh, And so I I welcome that and I am very uh, excited for anyone who wants to discuss uh, biblical topics together Uh, and so thank you so much for listening Uh, if you've listened this far this is a little bit longer episode than we've done here uh, more recently but I hope that everyone has a wonderful day uh, that God will bless you today uh, and that you will take hold of the wonderful blessings that are his Um, we can have assurance Right? and maybe that's another maybe that is a you know one we need to do here soon you know based off of this idea of obedience because there are some that believe you know like you know well where where does the line between obedience and grace uh, occur Right, that may be a question that you have but you can have assurance you can have assurance uh, yeah. as you live life in god but it does take us trying to be obedient it does It does take us trying to live faithfully um, because that's what he requires of us. That's what he says that we should do to follow him. How can we follow him if we're following in the ways of the world? So again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Thank you for your attention. Uh, Please again, like, subscribe, share, follow, comment, uh, do those things so that um, again, more people will see this work. So. Uh, Hope everyone has a great day, and God bless.